Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Connor Whiteley, bringing you with psychology news, articles and other interesting psychology related articles. Here I can find the podcast notes and more interesting psychology related things and you can get your free 8 psychology book box set at connorwhiteley.net. Now let's get on to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 164 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Con Whiteley. And today's episode is on who is most likely to recover from schizophrenia. And it is the 5th of August 2022 as I record this. So today's episode is just simply brilliant and I really enjoyed it. I so much that way simply because when it comes to psychosis, it's one of those conditions and I will like repeat this in the content part but it is one of those conditions where people do uh, tend to believe that the people who uh, suffer from like psychosis, whether this is um, a, a sort of like schizophrenia type of yeah, like, type of, like condition or yeah, well, like or they're like psychotic, they always tend to believe that they're a, a lost cause and they're absolutely hopeless. And to be honest, there's absolutely no point treating these people. But as you'll see today, though, that is not true in the slightest. So this is definitely a rather hopeful, yeah, well, hopeful a podcast episode, which you will love. So we're moving on to the psychology news section, moving from the British Psychological Society Research Digest. And there are some good ones here today. But the first one, I'm actually not going to do that because it's a bit of a long one, but it is rather interesting. That's it. Yes, like in case you did want to go to bpsresearchdigest.org. I think that's the web address. <laughs> yes, and like the a title is, Here's How Psychopaths and Narcissists Use Humour. And some of it's quite interesting. <laughs> but the second one is, yeah, well, like their second one, our first one, is, Here are the cues that someone could be lying on a call to an emergency service. It is not always easy to tell when someone is lying. Research has suggested that good liars use a number of tactics to get away with deception, such as telling plausible stories and being vague about details. These tactics, along with non-verbal strategies, can make it difficult to know when someone is telling the truth. And it's not, and it's not just about the average person, who struggles to work out if someone is being deceptive. Even police officers, specifically trained in, in detecting such behaviour, struggle. This is explored further in a new study published in Psychological Science, which looks at deception accuser during 911 homicide calls in, right, in the United States. It finds a, a cluster of behaviour that may indicate someone is lying or lying, with potential consequences for the way we, we deal with emergencies. And I will read one paragraph um, from the list. So, okay then, so open a quote. The result shows that a number of emotionally related cues were associated with deceptive calls. Deceptive callers were more dramatic, moodier, more reckless, more worried and nervous, pressed and more emotional overall, close a quote. And to be honest, that is absolutely brilliant. It's brilliant though, but because of course, if someone is like emotional, if they are really nervous, scared and depressed and reckless though, then you are going to be more engaged. You're going to want to know oh, like, what's happened. And when you're in a, like, an emergency, that's how you expect someone to react. That way. Because if someone like came up like running up to you on the uh, street, first of all, you would probably be like, who the hell are you and what do you want? <laughs> what I'm but after that, uh, 
Yeah, but like after that, it's like if they start telling you they were like they're really panicked and uh, yes, like uh, someone's like chasing them, like help them, then that you're more likely to at least entertain the the, the possibility. Compared to someone who who doesn't sound as nervous, fighting, like etc. So very clever, and of course the acceptive calls. So when it comes to like nine 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 calls, calls that are like is a, a criminal offence too. So interesting, but with dangerous consequences because of course. If a real emergency can't get through because of a fake caller, then phew, that could be deadly. So the last one is doing more chores linked to better executive functioning in our kids, but the direction of the effect is unclear. Okay. When our kids do household chores, this clearly helps out the family, but it benefits them too. Research shows it boosts feelings of autonomy and it is linked to greater life, uh, life satisfaction and sociability. Now, a new paper in Australian Occupational Therapy suggests that doing chores that may even improve working memory uh, and the ability to ignore distractions or temptations to focus on a task, also known as inhibition. However, as we explain, there are a number of other reasons to be very cautious about that great engagement in chores actually boosts executive abilities. Yes, and then the article goes on to talk about like different factors that actually um, interact with like the task of like doing chores. For example, like lower socioeconomic status. Yes, it's like a link to poorer executive like functioning. That but if you're a parent, then this is actually quite an interesting one and actually quite a like, good one because it does show the benefits of like doing a chores though. And personally, I've done chores as I still like, live at home. I still do chores. Yeah, but I don't like see the harm like in them though. And it definitely like, like helps out. And yeah, so like to be honest though, like um, as I'm like, living at home, I might still do like something that might actually help them and to like, help out. So, well, that's enough for the psychology news section. So, let's move on to the personal update. So, well, this week I've been doing like so much stuff, and uh, yeah, so this includes a ton of like research, like a fair bit of like writing, and a lot of other stuff. So, but because I've been doing like so much, it's actually going to be well, but too much to say in this uh, personal update. So, I'm actually going to like skip it. And as always, I always love to hear your thoughts and feelings on today's episode. So you can always email me, conwiley at conwiley.net. You can always leave the comments on the show notes at conwiley.net forward slash podcast. And you can always tweet me on Twitter at sci-fi I always love to hear from all of you because it really helps make the podcast feel more like a conversation. And today's episode has been sponsored by Abnormal Psychology, the causes and treatments of depression, anxiety and more, third edition. And today's book is a perfect sponsor for today's episode, though, because as you'll see in like, the content part, we do focus a yeah, little bit on like schizophrenia, which is a type of like psychotic disorder. So it's absolutely critical whether that if you want to like understand um, schizophrenia more, so, like what is it, what it is that causes, and even some ways that it's treated, that you get this like, great book because it, because not only will it deepen your understanding of like schizophrenia, but it will also help you understand and like a deep dive in there to other conditions like the oppression and anxiety which are really like common and then it looks into a ton of other great areas too with that for example like um, diagnosis and some other really fascinating treatments which I cannot recommend all in my um, usual easy to understand way and a conversational tone so that is our normal psychology the causes and treatments of depression anxiety and more third edition 
available at all major ebook retailers. And you might can get to the paperback and hardback version from Amazon, your local bookstore or local library if you request it. So let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So we're moving on to the content part of today's episode. So we're going to be talking about who is more likely to recover from, say, acosis. And I'm actually just going to dive like, straight in to it today. Can you recover from psychosis? I like a wide range of other mental health conditions. There aren't really a lot of public models of a successful people but living with a psychotic disorder. There are thankfully plenty of successful people with autism, ADHD and dyslexia, but none that I can think of ever have a psychotic disorder. Therefore, there is a cultural perception in our society that once a person develops a psychosis, that there is absolutely no chance of recovery whatsoever, and they are doomed. Granted, that is a bit overdramatic on my part, but it is how a society sees psychosis. Additionally, this is reinforced even further in our culture by the media's betrayal of people with schizophrenia being negative and definitely not helpful in normalising the idea that a person can thrive with a psychotic condition, despite many of these people were living and working normally in the rest of the world. As a result, false recovery models aren't very true because there are actually a lot of people who thrive with a schizophrenia spectrum disorder, including a rather public advocate by the name of Dr. L. Sachs, who is a professor and mem- and memoirist. Hope I've like said that right, but but basically someone who like writes memoirs at the University of California and to people like John Nash. And in case you're like me, that name isn't ringing a bell at first, and that's a okay. But here was the mathematicians who, whose story was told in the book and the film A Beautiful Mind. And to be honest, it's even worse that I've actually seen that film about twice. Twice, uh, I think. I forget when both times was. I think one was I was sitting in like in a class in like a sixth form from that were because if I had to like three periods and then like a bunch of us six formers I would actually go and sit in a like psychology teacher's like a classroom or like even if she had a like um a different class because like she yeah well because like she like never minded and to be honest it was just a like easy place to like go go there so I think I watched it once as to in my own like say yeah college class in like sixth form and then another time I think I was watching it with some A level like so anyway though so back to this Anyway, yeah, there are a lot more people that we think that can thrive with a psychotic condition. And there is even an entire database of people who are thriving with a schizophrenia disorder at the Curist Foundation website. And that's a charity that aims to help people with a schizophrenia spectrum disorder recover. What predicts recovery from a psychosis? Personally, whilst all of this new information is a great because it is amazing to know that so many people are thriving with a condition that people see as a lost cause. I would rather like to know what actually predicts their recovery and most importantly what makes those people different to the ones that they don't. Therefore Patrio and all 2020 can help us answer that question because the study investigated 243 participants over a 20-year period that exhibited a condition with, with psychotic symptoms, including bipolar disorder, 
with psychotic symptoms, schizoaffective disorder, and schizophrenia. To test the idea of recovery, they decided to look at three definitions. Personal recovery, which will refer to a person's ability to forge their own identity, have a sense of their purpose, find meaning in their life, and take responsibility for their condition and recovery. The second definition was functional recovery, which referred to a person's quality to participate in everyday life without their condition disrupting it, as well as the final definition was about symptomatic recovery to the reduction of their symptoms overall. The results of the study found that the following definitions of recovered. 51.9% of the people were recovered according to the personal recovery definition. 52.7% of the people recovered according to the functional recovery definition. 51.9% of the people experienced symptomatic recovery. Therefore, the majority of our participants clearly recovered in all three areas and 74.2% of our participants showed recovery in at least one area of recovery, with ultimately 32.5% of our of participants displaying active recovery in all three definitions. This is consistent with our previous findings. Therefore, but now that we know a lot of our people can recover from our psychosis, what exactly are the predictors of recovery? The most significant predictors that determine chances of recovery across all three definitions were family history of psychotic disorders, parental socioeconomic status, developmental delay by age of three, completion of high or secondary school education. However, if a person isn't born into a wealthy family or without relatives with schizophrenia or nervous trauma, it doesn't mean that the person is doomed like many people were to see it. Instead, the very nature of psychosis makes it difficult to find the major predictors of recovery and psychosis that could appear differently within each person. Within psychology, I've probably heard psychosis being referred to as a condition of a heterogenesis makeup. That's a big word to say. And in case like me, you have no idea what that means. A heterogenesis makeup means that there are a lot of reasons why people develop psychosis and don't recover. As a result, these predictors um, above only predict about 275 percent and 33.7% of people's recovery in the aspect to each recovery model slash definition the study looked at. Conclusion to wrap up this episode, I want to mention something that has a wider lesson from other areas of, a, of a clinical psychology. We all need to remember that the studies that look at predictors or more positive or poor outcomes that do not decide a person's fate. That's one of the problems with data given to mental health teams, policymakers, and those within education. That the data lacks a person's life, but that could possibly be helped later on in life by social support, a non-profit, or any other future possibilities that have professionals that come up with. And we risk losing sight of something even more important here if we focus on the negative. One third of our, of our clients are with a psychotic disorder recovered. One third of a group of the people where that society deemed as lost hopeless causes. One third of the people where that now have their lives back. And that's down to amazing professionals, friends and family members. This is an amazing achievement. And I will certainly end this podcast episode 
on a positive note. That's not something to be ashamed of. That is something to be very proud of, of our profession and the amazing people we help. So I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that you got something out of it. Well, personally, in today's episode, I was attempting to talk a bit slower, but I think I only sort of got halfway there in the content part of like today's episode, though, because I know sometimes I do speak a bit fast, and I know from personal experience that if you is that if you talk to someone and you can actually see them and their lips move, they actually talk fast. Then I know that like that's easier. But if you're only listening to someone who talks really fast then I actually know whether it's a lot harder. So I, yeah, so I am like aware of it. I've been aware of it for a while, but now I'm trying to make a conscious effort just to slow down, okay? <laughs> okay, then. And if you know someone who enjoyed today's episode, then please share it with them. I'm always really grateful when you wonderful people help spread the word today about the podcast. And definitely check out our normal psychology, the causes and treatments of depression, anxiety and more third edition available in or at the usual places but if you didn't want to buy a book but you still wanted to give the podcast a bit of like one-time support then please check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash con whiteley so have a great day everyone and i'll see you next time thanks for listening today I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to connorwhitely.net. And if you want a free eight book psychology box set, then please go to connorwhitely.net. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.